First of all, thanks to all of you who have uh, contributed to this monastery and this uh, temple, this Sangha, this community, this teaching, this teacher. Thank you. And if you can, please continue to help us as we go along. This evening's uh, Dharma talk is something I haven't talked about in a long time, but I'm going to talk about it today, and I am happy to respond to questions. The title of the talk is Buddha Nature, Buddha Awakened. Awakened, uh, the Sanskrit is Bud is the root, there is the awake, and Buddha is the awakened one, you could say. And nature is just the nature of, of, of the situation. What, what is the nature of awakening? What is it? We can speculate. There are all kinds of books written on it, commentaries on it. And uh, for something that is just about impossible, I wouldn't even say just about, it's impossible. You cannot describe that because it has no status as a phenomenon. It, this is why the, I think 13th century, somebody can correct me if I have the century wrong, it's possible, of the, the, the Zen master, Banke Yotaku, I think I have his name right, Banke Yotaku. Uh, his basic teaching was just remain in your Buddha nature, just remain in your unborn Buddha nature. What the hell does that mean? What kind of concept, conceptual pointer is that? Well, if someone's practicing, practicing shitting, uh, sitting meditation, uh, then why are you all smiling? <laughs> <laughs> Did you think I said something other than sitting meditation? Perhaps. That's entertaining. Maybe I'll have to do that again some, some point. <laughs> Um, so if you're practicing shikantaza or sitting meditation, then there is a possibility, there's no guarantee, but there's a possibility by sitting very, very still, facing the wall or facing the floor or just sitting still. And whatever is continuing to move without your permission, without your agreement, without anything other than just observe. It's like watching clouds in the sky, fish in a pond. Uh, anything that's moving, it's, it can be watching sounds of a, a, a bird, a cardinal flies by your window and makes noises. It has several songs. Do you know how many songs a cardinal has? There's quite a few, and they're all different. Anyone know that? Have any bird? Uh, Andrea, you know how many birds? You know? Uh, would you take a guess? The only other bird are in here it would be, what do you think? said six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the war is on. <laughs> the birder war. So, but the idea there, I'm just using sound because that's another some object that rises in consciousness or sounds. You, you, you might be sitting looking at the wall, nothing is happening there, but yet, yet you're listening. Uh-oh. Christine Cooney says there's, how many did you say, Christine? 16? She just asked, Christine, uh, uh, asked Siri, who's this Siri dude? <laughs> okay, 16. But what my point I'm trying to make is not so much the, the numbers uh, racket, but, but otherness, some kind of this shows and that shows, it's like clouds, it's like sound, sounds uh, rising in the mind stream. Uh, they show up. And we just observe them come and go. We don't do anything with them. We just listen. And if you're listening to a cardinal, uh, from the point of view of a uh, human being, it don't make any sense. But from the point of view of another cardinal, it probably mean a lot. And so, but that's up to them, none of our business. But you can just watch that come and go, observe that, train your mind. This is what you're doing here. You are training your mind to watch what is appearing and going away. What is appearing and going away without comment. And if there's a comment, then treat that the same way. That's appearing and it goes away. And eventually, uh, the only thing that will arise is that which comes from dependent origination or just the nature of relative truth, which is dependently arisen. Anytime, anytime we add anything to it, we're, we're interfering with the chemistry of uh, dependent origination with our own little personalized, I won't want it that way. I want this. I don't want that. 
I'm not saying you would use that kind of sarcasm, but I'm using it because quite often that's how it seems. You begin to look at your own mind, what it does, it can be rather embarrassing to realize how demanding you are about very, very petty things. That will cause you to do what? Go in circles, not only through this day or next week or next year, but lifetime after lifetime. Are there more than, is there more than one lifetime? No. Are there many lifetimes? No. Is there rebirth? Probably. Or the way my mother used to pronounce it was parbly. And I even asked her once, is that, that's not the way you pronounce probably. She says, that's the way I pronounce it. Anybody want to go into a discussion of that with my mother? I don't recommend it. So whatever arises, you're training yourself to be, you can even use the word objective about just something shows up, it's a cloud. Something shows up, it's a fish. Something shows up, it's number 14 of the Cardinal's vocabulary. It's that one. It's that, and then that goes, and then another, and something else shows up. And then a motorcycle goes by. And you may, when you hear that, you may say, oh, that sounds like a Harley, or that sounds like, you may jump away from that into some kind of naming or definition. Is that wrong? No, it's just circular. And when you're sitting, when you're doing sitting meditation, sit down, hold still, and watch the movement, you are slowly over time, over time training your the consciousness, which is all wrapped up in Love and hate, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, jealousy, just all kinds of pride and shame and all the polarities. Life and death is the big one. There is no polarity there. They are not, they are differentiated, but they're fundamental. You can't have life without death. You can't have death without something that's alive, simply put. So by observing what comes, what arises in the sense fields, in the mind, thoughts arising in the mind, by just observing that, don't add on to it. Don't push it away, aggression. Don't blame anybody for how it feels, passion. And don't shut down or ignore it, which is obviously ignorance or distraction or moving away, avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. The other thing I would say about that is that as you begin to practice this, you will notice how much you do all of those things. So that becomes embarrassing to the ego and the ego wants to fix that. So there are teachers and teachings that come in and will tell you how to adjust and fix and how to not do this and how to not do that. Atisha's seven points of mind training is full of that kind of stuff. Not wrong. It's totally appropriate. Some people have to work with the mind that way. But if you're sitting in front of me, you're ready to hear this teaching. Not that it's advanced, not particularly advanced, any more than any other teaching is. It's just direct. You're looking at what you're looking for. It just may be covered up with all of your bullshit, to use the fancy word, with your ideas, your conclusions, your conjunctions, your blaming, your me, 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 and my ideas about the world, about that person and my neighbor and my my spouse, and just all about me, me, me. It reconstructs, recreates, and nurtures a fictitious self called the ego. There is no such thing in reality. It sure looks like it. And we'll go to war. We'll, we'll hurt other people. We'll hurt ourselves in order to protect that somebody. We'll, we'll take our own life in order to show that we have some kind of power. I don't have to be here. I will just end it. Not appropriate. But some people are on a track where that may, be end, may end up being what they have to do. It's not wrong, it's just a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding of what this is. I'm here to help you with that. If you can receive it, then I'm here to help you. I'm very, very dedicated, serious, and sincere about this. All the energy, whatever energy I have left in my, whatever years I have left, whatever that months, weeks, days, I'm about helping you with that. I'm pointing at it. You don't have to listen. If you hear what I'm saying, if you understand what I'm saying, you can slow down, sit still, sit symmetrical, have all the senses on receive, have the attitude, just receive whatever shows up. I don't care how crappy or greasy or smelly that mind stream is in your mind. You, you need to receive that so that you can train yourself 
to what? The third pure precept says, be with all things. That's the basic vow of the Bodhisattva. No, no longer objecting to anything. This doesn't mean that you don't run away from a, from a criminal or a thug or someone who's abusing you. Don't excuse me. I have to leave the room now because I'm not going to let you abuse me. That doesn't mean there aren't all kinds of relationship situations that might require you functioning in that relative area for a while. But if you see what this is fundamentally, then uh, all you see is, a, is the Buddha. All you see is awakening everywhere. You see it everywhere. And it's not an experience. If it's an experience, here's an experience. Where is it now? Gone. Here's another one. Gone. Nothing lasts. This flower might last another few days. This uh, Ikebana. This Buddha, because it's carved hundreds of years ago, might last another hundred years or two. Things have a duration. A piece of granite is only going to last so long. A thought, thought forms last just very short. You can't even find the beginning and the end of a thought, if you can. Uh, probably not looking at thoughts. You're looking at your thoughts about thoughts, which are not thoughts. On second thought, yeah, there. No pun intended. Or maybe a little bit. Buddha nature awakened. What is what is the what, what did the Buddha awaken to? The Buddha awoke to that everything was awake. That there, he his when he awoke, everything awoke. He didn't see anything. He did not see that anywhere. But those who came towards him did not realize their true nature, their Buddha nature. So. And they came to him and saw that there was something about him. Maybe it was the air, light coming out of his ears. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Something about the presence of that gentleman 2,500 years ago uh, connected with others or somehow made sense or encouraged others. So he had students. And then those students became teachers and they had students down through the centuries up to the current present situation. You can see that. You can actually see when you wake up in the morning, the ceiling over your head, if you're in a house, your feet sticking out from under the bed covers, the mirror when you walk into the bathroom, water stain, water spots on the mirror, all of that. You can see that that is not separate from the Buddha. It isn't exactly the Buddha, but it's not separate from awakened one. So it's not something to worship, although we bow to the Buddha, but this is a chunk of wood. We need some kind of a reference situation that will help us to continue to train. That's why we have a wall, we have a schedule, and this isn't for everyone. But if you're here, you probably have some kind of connection with this person or this community or this particular teaching of the Buddha's Dharma as it's presented here coming out of the Tibetan uh, Kagula, uh, tradition, the Shambhala tradition, and the Soto Zen lineage of Japan. Those are all coming together here. How? I don't know. I don't, I don't stir anything up. I can help it. Sir. <clears throat> Shoto bowing. Is Buddha nature a synonym for sentience? Bowing? No. Is that all you wanted to know? Cool. Yes. What is the difference between between Buddha nature and consciousness? How does it look to you? Nirvana look the same to me. So they're they're different words. Probably very similar. There's no identity in Buddha nature. But consciousness uh, we experience consciousness through the sense fields, but consciousness uh, is more than just uh, a sense object and something arising in that sense field and is registered in the mind stream as a donut or the uh, sound of a cardinal. Or as long as there's a human form, there's going to be that happening. Or? Is Buddha nature um, only in humans 
available? Everything. Everything. Yes. Please don't hesitate. Give me a, I don't care how hard the question or impossible the question may seem to you. Let's have a go. Bring it this way. See what happens. The worst I can say is, I don't know. And that's very likely. Go ahead. How does a concept like the nature help us to see it? So that you will continue. So that you will intend to see what this is without having any idea other than what remain in your own and you're unborn. It's unborn. So it's not, it doesn't have a, uh, uh, the technical word is ontological status as something, or it's not, it's not really phenomena that comes and goes. Those come, Buddha nature does not come and go. Everything else can come and go, but Buddha nature doesn't even remain because it's never occurred. So therefore it's not separate from anything. And uh, what, what, what am I stuck with? I'm stuck with, just using relative terms and words to try to point to something that's ineffable, that's, that can't be described. That's why it's a spiritual path, not a mundane path of getting better and getting smarter and getting more enlightened and more reasonable and more. Those are all good, too. It's just that they go around. If you just solve, deal with just the, uh, the, what, the symptom, uh, then you never see the fundamental underlayment of the confusion, which is, of course, a passion, aggression, ignorance, hope, fear. Fear is quite often is covered up by aggression. As I've said many times, and it's been said before I got here, anytime you see aggression, that means that that aggressive is a person, that person is operating out of fear. They cover up, they're successful. They just they get aggressive with somebody else. They don't necessarily feel, feel fearful because they've covered it up. But someone who feels fear completely, they uh, just feel the fear and just have some kind of, as it says, uh, one of the teachings uh, say, just be a good host. Just whatever shows up in the mind stream, just be with all things. Whatever shows up, be with that. No war, no peace, no separation. Don't go to war, don't go to peace. More? It, it seems like good in nature can be this concept that doesn't help us go further like it can be a stand-in like oh it's just good in nature it's not a stand-in it's 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 a concept that is pointing to uh the fruition you need something you could probably do without that but it seems to be ne uh, necessary to do that realization enlightenment uh complete unexcelled nothing goes any further than this enlightenment well, it's a relative way of saying that. So nothing goes any further than the very, the very existence of it is uh, in the relative sense. Uh, that's not supported there. That's why it's a spiritual path. You actually transcend this. Your body, mind complex, your life, your history, your favorite food, and your your uh, your uh, uh, most aggravating thought or feeling or emotion can just come apart, and you can die. But Buddha nature does not go anywhere. And so what you're doing, you're, put it very literally, you're making a transition. You're changing your allegiance over from the samsaric materialistic mind of getting stuff, keeping away other stuff, grasping, rejecting, shutting down, going to war, going to peace for that matter. That can be also difficult. If you don't understand what you're doing, if you're just going to peace in order to try to stop war, that's more warfare. Don't go to war with war. How do you do that? See the war in here. Just, just be with the war in here. And that will start to, it will deconstruct itself if you don't continue to construct it over who caused it, why it's happening, how you can get rid of it, which, which one of uh, the 59 uh, slogans of a teacher, seven points of mind training is going to work best for you. Don't, don't fix anything. Yes. Relatively, if we have symptoms and we start to look for a root cause, that still feels somewhat circular. It is. Ultimately, if we're looking for the basic confusion, is that still circular? Not necessarily. If you have a strong sitting practice, in other words, sit down, hold still, or you're observing this and you're in, you have some kind of connection with what that teaching actually is, 
you're actually starting to mean something to it. You're not just sitting there turning into a vegetable, like it's been referred to in the past, but you're actually looking at the, the area that you could even call the root of the, of the consciousness. You're actually watching this come up. If you use technical terms, you're watching how things come out of the Alaya Vijnana or Vijnana, the, the actual storehouse consciousness. You're watching how that comes into the seventh consciousness or the, that part of the mind not just a simple processing mind that's available to all of us all the time, but that part of the consciousness that is paranoid, that closes right down if there's any threat. Whereas the uh, Buddha nature or the, uh, the Buddha mind uh, doesn't see any threats. It doesn't mean that it won't get out of the way of a, of a speeding motorcycle in the road. It, it would move over, but it doesn't see anything fundamentally threatening because it doesn't see anything else but awakening everywhere. More? Bowing. It seems like we could waste our life looking for that basic confusion and still never see it. You could. But it's it seems to be necessary to go at this with some sincerity and some persistence. This is why we have a vow. You received uh, the lay precepts, to, uh, bodhisattva precepts, is to put others before yourself. Pretty hard to do, isn't it? Pretty difficult. But it's not about accomplishing it. It's having the intention to do that. And how that shows up for you or for me or for, for anyone else who takes on that vow, either, either formally by actually taking a vow with a preceptor or just doing it yourself. Just reading the, the way of the bodhisattva by Shantideva and trying to practice that. You can do that yourself. I'd say it's very difficult to do that on your own because ego will step right in and start to become your own personal Shantideva. That's why it's necessary to have a, a true teacher, a teacher who he, she, they teach out of what they're looking at, not, uh, not about what they think about. Even though their thinking process could be extremely powerful, and they could be a Buddhist scholar. There's, I've, met, I've met Buddhist scholars, many of them, over the last 50 years. And some of them are extremely smart. But are they awake? That's the question. Are they, are they awake? Are they actually awake? Or are they just really smart and really can talk circles around you? <clears throat> some of them are even show up in other areas. The one I met was a nuclear physicist, extremely smart. Was he awake? Should I meow right now? So do I know? Of course, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to judge that person in the, by saying, well, this person, this teacher's not, nah, this teacher is. I'm not going to do that. What I would do is say, you find out. You find out. You'll know. If, if you come before a teacher who's not a true teacher and you've been facing a wall for a few years, it's going to be pretty hard for anybody to pull up so-called proverbial wool over your eyes, especially if you've been listening to me, because you can't even find me. Yes, sir. Neil Kabawin, when we ask our teacher, when we say, please remain, how does that support us seeing our Buddha nature? Well, you got somebody around to harangue you a little bit longer. Get back to the cushion, practice more. How many hours did you sit last week? Yoka, that's not, that's a, that's one of those rhetorical questions, but you always have to answer those. Go ahead. 19 hours. Are you bragging or lying or what are you doing? I'm not sure. That's, what I, <laughs> like that's that. what I recollect. <laughs> that's what I recollect. Oh, show me your, your excellent memory. So I'm picking on you a little bit, but I'm saying, I'm, I'm serious about it. We, we really, it seems to me to, uh, from my position, I had to have a teacher, two teachers. And the first teacher was a powerful teacher, but I didn't see enough of him. I was afraid of him. I stayed away from him. And he scared me. And the next teacher I ran into was Coben. I went that direction and then he uh, began to teach me and I couldn't handle it. I could not do one word teaching he gave me. You don't take precepts, you observe them. I couldn't, I couldn't receive that from him until about six months before he died. Do you have a question? 
Senshi bowing. Earlier you said that in Shikantaza, we are training our minds to be more objective with what arises. So that would be a way of talking about it. Eventually it goes beyond the objectivity also. In becoming more objective, do we become less subjective? Not necessarily. You could be even more subjective because you're so damned objective. It's a circle. There's not two things anywhere. Not even one thing. It's 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 complete. Uh, what the fancy word from the movies would be matrix. It's a matrix that if you see it close, it's just you can't you can't calculate it, can't figure it out. Calculus will not work. Nor will. Uh, uh, artificial intelligence. Go ahead. Joko Bowing, when you talk about um, that six months before COVID passed, yes. what what shifted there? What are you pointing to at that point? I was just I was just very embarrassed. Just, I could see that I've, I've been a complete fool in front of a, a, a master teacher. He was a master, and, and I, I just blocked that out. I, I did not want to have another teacher. It's embarrassing to me that I've been practicing all these years, and I'd had a great Vajra master as a teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. And then I meet this very small Zen monk. It was already a, a teacher to my uh, my uh, old, uh, my oldest son Takado, and to my friend from uh, art school days, Shoho. But it just got to the point where I just couldn't stand it anymore. I had I was just completely embarrassed by the whole thing. But. Is there something about being too casual with with ourselves and others that blocks out our Buddha nature? Of course. So it's not about never being casual, but it's the it's the it's the strategy of the ego to kind of make everything casual. And it's the strategy of the ego to just tighten everything up and make sure everybody follows the form. And sometimes if you if your style is to really follow forms really closely, and then you see other people aren't doing that. Very difficult not to be critical of them. Have you noticed that about yourself? You get irritated when you see people who don't sit as much as you do. But then when you don't sit very much, then you always explain to others why you're not sitting so much. Isn't that right? Make sure everybody knows so you have an excuse. You're smiling, so I'm either you are embarrassed or you're moving to Philadelphia. <laughs> No, some order. <laughs> That's worse. That's, that was an order. Oh no, no, don't move to Philadelphia. Stay here. That's an order. Certainly. Yes, sir. I'll go with you, and then I'll go to Mahesh after I respond to your inquiry. How can there be confusion if everything is awake? Confusion is awake. If you want to see your Buddha nature, you have to look at your confusion. Like we, you and I have talked about recently, look at the confusion. If you try to cover it up with blaming, if the confusion is in your mind stream and it's got a hold of you and it's, it stinks or it's, you're suffering or it's difficult, you leave that confusion to point the finger at anybody, me, another person in here, your family or your country or any, any otherness that you, you bring about or you, point to or establish as the reason you're having this feeling. To see that feeling, you will see the Buddha. I can't guarantee it, but I can just about guarantee that if you continue to blame others for how you feel, you'll, you're not going to see the Buddha, not in this lifetime. Am I clear? Is there something I'm, that you, I could help you more with? Good question. Jason and Mike. How can awakening be expressed as confusion? How's that? 
that wasn't helpful, was it? That's why I don't do it very often. I mean, this confusion, or it's a, a, a comical cartoon kind of confusion, but actual confusion might look more like the expression on your face. You follow me? Continue to look. Continue to look. Continue to look and don't make any assumption. When you look at it, don't assume that you're looking at this or that or the other thing. Just continue to look. Have a willingness to not know what you're looking at. In this way, the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the thinking mind, which your ability to think is pretty powerful. It starts to come apart. It won't prevent you from working for Google. You might be even better at working for Google without having your mind clogged up with false beliefs or confusion about the nature of reality, thinking that this is real and that's not. Not just, not just picking on you. Everyone's doing their version of this. If you're not, I don't know what the hell you're doing here then. More? Good questions. Thank you. Thank you for exposing yourself a little bit. Mahesh. Mahesh Boeing. I'm wondering how some teachers are deeply realized while others are not, when uh, all of them have seen through their self. Is it, is it based on what level of Bhumi they're on, Boeing? What is it you want to know, Mahesh? I heard the question, but what, give me a simple question that I can respond to, and that will be helpful to me, to you, and to everyone else. Mahesh I don't want to get into Bhumis. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm wondering why some teachers are not, they're given Dharma transmission, but how come they don't appear very realized, Boeing? Damn divino. There are a lot of teachers, but I don't think there's a lot of realization. I'm not saying there isn't some, there's probably a lot. I just haven't seen it. And why would I? Well, they're not, if someone has realized, they're probably trying to help others. They're not busy trying to prove anything to me or anyone else. As soon as you hear someone start talking about how realized they are, it's, uh, it doesn't smell very good. Uh, it's anytime anyone kind of puffs himself up a little bit. The only one that can do that and get away with it that I've ever met was, was the Vidyadara. He could do it. And, but he also had a, had an interesting sense of humor in that area. You'd have to go and read three or four of his books and you'll see it. Mahesh Boeing. Sure. So what goes on between uh, seeing through the self and then seeing through others as illusion, like that uh, the path during yes. that path going. So self and other, is that what you're at? Seeing through the self, seeing through other? Yes. yes. Same thing. It looks different when you're practicing it, when you see that there's no solid self in the skandhas. Form, feeling, perception, concept, or consciousness. And then whatever is arising as an object, sound of the cardinal, unreal. They're, they're there and they're arising in consciousness, but there's no one who's conscious of that. There's just consciousness. Even the teaching consciousness only is a, uh, like it says on the banner at the back of the, the Zendo, perception only, it's just a perception. It's not what's perceived and it's not what's doing the perceiving. That's the duality of it that is so confusing that makes this world turn on its axis, uh, off kilter, off balance, out of alignment, in need of a uh, front end alignment, which might be just seeing that it's out of alignment. And, and then you see that everything is aligned. Mahesh going. So when, when someone sees that the self is an illusion, why can't they see others are illusion? Because uh, at the same time, you see everything is one, right? Uh, going. So there's, you begin to see that the, the, the ego is made up of a lot of parts. And we begin to see that, that uh, the form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, you get, begin to see that those are not really hooked together. You can actually experience intellect without all the others. And you can experience body without all of the others. You can experience just 
perception without all of the others. It's just a way of talking about it, using concepts to talk about it in a way that it doesn't get together into somebody going somewhere with a particular agenda or idea. So that's the uh, supposedly, and in, not only from this point of view, but other teachings say that seeing through the self is that's the first part of it. Then you have to see through the otherness. Uh, when they talk about the different boomies of the Bodhisattva path, which you mentioned briefly, don't particularly want to go into that, but um, I think, what is it? Uh, uh, one and a half fold egolessness. We, the, the idea in the, in the, in the Kagyu tradition is, as I understand it and remember it, is that we first begin to see that there isn't a solid person here, but we're still hooked on other. We still think there are the other people out there who are not as clear as we are, that we see there's no self. But we're still, we still think there are others out there who, uh, who what, don't see through that there's no self. And of course, that's true relatively. But that doesn't mean they are an improvement on, or uh, that you are an improvement on what they're seeing. Very fishy area. Train your mind to see it. See it yourself so that you see it. You won't have to come and check with me and see, is this what you were talking about, so does I'm more. You'll, you'll know it. Shoto Bowing, if someone's seen through the self but thinks others haven't, isn't that a kind of still thinking there's a self? Yeah, it's a still, it's a, it's a Pratyeka Buddha, it's a classical self-styled Buddha, someone who's awakened themselves, but uh, they aren't even particularly interested in helping anyone else awaken. They just want to benefit from the awakening, from not being a solid, separate being anymore, and can delight in their their uh, awakening. It's a way of talking about it. Yeah. Does Buddha nature point to something that goes beyond seeing no self and no other? It's you, you could you could say that it's beyond, but it's actually not beyond. It's not separate from anything. Everything is Buddha nature, but it's covered up by. Passion, aggression, ignorance, pride, envy, jealousy, fear. It's covered up. You can't see it. It's sometimes the, it's called the Buddha in the palm of your hand. The, 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 Buddha, the Buddha you're looking for is, is right here. It's that close. It's right here. It's every, I think I said, every, every water spot on your mirror in the bathroom. It's Buddha, the Buddha. The awakened one, not the guy who lived 2,500 years ago, but what that person was pointing at, the finger pointing at the moon. Look at the moon, and the finger disappears. The teacher, the teaching, disappeared, what, into the moon. It's the way of talking about it. I think we're, we're in book study talking about that. Uh, Dogen was talking about that or somebody. Okay. Question? Adriana asks, how can I work with the feeling of betrayal and hurt without shutting down? So there's a lot of story, a lot of, uh, a lot of soap opera around that. Uh, anyone that would ask that question would have a different background of stories about that, who did it and who betrayed who, and I was only trying to do this. And then she, she, they stepped out the other direction. And, uh, and so uh, I, the simplest way to say is, Spend a lot of time in front of a wall and watch how you shut down so you get very familiar with your particular style of passion, aggression, ignorance, pride, envy, open fear, and all the other dynamics that enter into just being a living being and trying to navigate uh, the, the uh, six realms of the, the human realm. I'm not going to go through the realms, but different ways that the mind operates. So just observe, 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 give it, give it the benefit of the doubt rather than abandoning what arises for I've been betrayed. If he, she, they hadn't done that, probably everyone in here is dealing with that on some level with somebody who is, I know I certainly hung on to how I was treated by my stepfather for many years. And now when I look at him, I think well, he couldn't have done it any other way. He was suffering and he, the only way he knew how to cover up his suffering was to somewhat take it out on a little boy. But you have to see that. You can't just, well, I feel this way because my stepfather abused me. Well, of course he abused me. He was abused. It goes downhill. This abuses that, abuses that, this person abuses that, and it just goes on and on. It's, it's not only a 
a circle. It's a huge circle. So this is why I step off now. And how do you do that? Sit down, hold still, watch the mind, get to know your mind so deeply that no one will ever fool you again. And why won't anyone ever fool you again? There isn't anyone. There isn't anybody. You have to see it. Otherwise, you'll continue with your present paranoia, not accusing you of anything, of thinking that just because a neighbor has a, a weird flag on their wall, they're somehow the enemy. No, they're suffering. That doesn't mean you are, can open to go over and convert them to Buddhism. Don't do that. Don't convert anybody to Buddhism. That's a misunderstanding. Don't teach anybody to meditate. You meditate. If somebody sees you meditating, they might say, why are you doing that? And then you'd have to come up with your response. I like, I don't know. <laughs> Further questions? Sure. Yuhung Baoying. Go ahead, Yuhung. I have a question actually from our study. Um, the metaphor sun and the moon, the sun refers to Buddha nature and the moonlight refers to the reflection of the, of the Buddha nature. So my yeah. question is, does the metaphor give us a reference point for us to relate to the Buddha nature and uh, uh, enlightenment? Yes. Is that a reference? Uh, yes. Uh, if you wanted to use, continue to use those, you could say that the sun is the Buddha and the moon is the Bodhisattva, or the one on the way to becoming the Buddha. You could say, you could even go further. You could write a book about it. You could look at the phase of the moon and see which boomy each phase was. It could get very complicated, very fancy. And people would read your book and you could tell them I was your teacher. <laughs> yeah, the reason is also I had a question about why it's always talk about the moon when we study, uh, especially regarding the enlightenment is why is always is the moon or the sun. You know, it's, I wouldn't get too uh, tricky with it. I mean, if, uh, Jupiter has more moons, so I don't know what's happening over there, but those guys got to be really confused on Jupiter when they're got have this pointing at the moon. Which moon are you pointing at? Well, then, then what they what they would do is probably say, well, this is this school. That's why this school of Buddhism points to two of the moons and this other school. I mean, I could go on and on, but you know what I'm saying. I don't, don't, don't uh, squeeze those concepts too much. Just use them. If, if the moon Finger pointing at the moon helps you, then use that. But don't necessarily go in and try to try to disconstruct it in such a way that you get some kind of deeper truth out of it. It's already deep enough. It's just the moon. It's just the moon. It's just the sun. It's just light. These are these are ways that light approaches or light shows up for us. Yu Hongbaoying, thank you. You also said uh, our Buddha nature never die is unborn. Yes. So as a human being, are we able to have a glimpse of the Buddha nature? Have a what? Have some glimpse of the Buddha nature. Glimpse? Yes. Yes, yes. The, the glimpse is not, uh, is not the Buddha nature. It's a glimpse. So you, the, the otherness is still, or still operating as someone who's glimpsing. But yes, you, will have, you may have one glimpse. You may have 50 glimpses. But it's still uh, the Japanese word is kencho or insight into your true nature. But it's it's not enlightenment. It's just you see it. Actually, enlightenment is not is nothing. It isn't anything. If it if it's something, then we're right back to relative truth again. It can go away. So it does not appear, and it cannot vanish. This is a spiritual path. If you're interested, I'm all about helping you with that. I will do my best to meet you where you're at for as long as I'm here. And I don't know what else to say other than train your mind. See it. Don't get your, don't get it from me. Even though I talk about this uh, over and over again, week after week, month after month Thank and so you. on. You have to see it. Yeah. You're welcome. Yes. What does it mean when, you say everything is awake. I'm saying that everything is not sleeping. 
the, it's, what confuses us is the separation into self and other and the relative idea of now I'm asleep, now I'm awake. We're so convinced of that that we buy into those polarities and that's because the consciousness is showing up, is arising, the body-mind complex of a human form is arising in consciousness. Consciousness somewhat arises in, in the sense fields and so on, but the most important one is it's uh, is we are all arising in consciousness. Consciousness belongs to no one and, and everything is completely awake. Yes, it's awake. Don't, don't fall asleep. Don't cover it up. More? What do you mean by awake? Not asleep. I have to use relative terms. Ask me, I'll tell you what, I'll respond to that without relative terms. If you can ask me a question without a relative question, then I'll be happy to respond. I'm ready. This is a very zen thing to do, you know. They've been doing this for centuries in, in Asia. What? So you can't ask, even ask me a question without a concept, but you want me to respond to that without a concept? Okay, well, you heard the deal. <laughs> I'm ready. But I, I can say that if you're able to do that, I probably will get a migraine <laughs> or not. I don't know what I'll get. I understand what you're asking me. It's uh, difficult to continue in the conceptual area and make it something that's, that's going to be fundamentally helpful. Yes. If, if the concepts, the concepts aren't The truth? Is there something that we need to do with them to benefit from them or to see the truth? Just just watch them come and go. They're just things. They're just items in space. What we do is we think one concept is better than, than the other, or we just sort. We pick and choose, pick and choose. Don't choose anything. Don't choose anything. We don't miss anything. Look at everything. Smell, taste, hear, feel. Receive, receive everything. You can do it. What? Is the most helpful concept the ones that just teach us how to sit? What do you really want to know? <laughs> you, you teach so much. I do talk a lot, don't I? Why? Mm, like to hear myself talk. I don't know why. I spent over 30 years just studying and not saying much at all. Chokadao might disagree with that because he, he met me 32, no, 22, 23 years ago. No. So he heard me uh, back in the old days when I was still snooping around in the hog pen. Have any comments on that, Chokadao? Good. Thought he was going to expose me. <laughs> Go ahead. If we have the intention to help others, do we need to see what this is for that help to be thorough? I, I think those are those all work together. Just that's why the vow is so important. I, I vow to be with all things. I vow to save all beings. Even though you know you can't do that, don't even know how to save ourselves particularly. But but the vow, the intention seems to be so powerful. If the intention, that's why it's a spiritual path. You're actually making an intention that's just impossible to do. I, I, I vow, I receive, go to refuge to the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, and the teacher possibly. And I'm going to see this. I'm, I'm not going to harm myself or others. I'm going to try to do good for myself and others as much as I'm able, as much as I can see what that actually is without meddling with them. And I'm going to be with all things, starting with my own mind stream. I'm not going to object to what happens in, the, in my mind stream anymore or agree with it or ignore it. That's a powerful thing to say over and over and over again. At the same time, you are, you are constantly aware of how you cannot do that, that you continue to grasp at this, reject that, shut down this, and you realize how, how 
how uh, judgmental you are. You realize that you're just judging people. You don't mean to, you're trying not to, but you notice how there's just kind of a knee-jerk, your, your finger comes out of the holster, and the next thing you know, you're pointing to some, someone. And maybe in your mind stream, maybe not, maybe you're being very kind and sweet to them, but you're, you know, you're, you're entertaining, you could say, thoughts of, you know, they're, this person's a creep. Or, and what do you do with that? Don't do anything with it. Don't fix anything. Please have, have, a, have some, I don't know, no other word comes up, have some humility and actually be the crap you're trying to get rid of because it is, it is not, uh, uh, it's not something you can get rid of to make into some better person. Go ahead. How is intention different than grasping? Uh, intention is you're not sure what it even is. When, you're, when you vow to be with all things, you don't know what that is. It's deliberately stated in that way. I vow to save all beings. How? You can't even save yourself. can't even save your next door neighbor. Uh, in a relative way. So, but it's the intention to do that. It pulls the mind uh, somewhat away without aggression. It pulls it away from the relative concepts that, that are ruled and governed by hope and fear into a, an ultimate understanding. You're already beginning to see that. As, uh, as Dogen said in the 13th century, as soon as you sit down, this is Buddha. Sit down, hold still. This is Buddha. More? Is intention a way? Is intention a way to work with our casualness with what this is? Um, so you're coming back to the casualness again. What what is it you're uh, what is it you're dealing with there? You're too casual. You you said something in the white tower room at dinner. You said don't be too casual. Just, yeah. Don't gossip. The only person that gets to gossip here is me. That's the only expression I'm going to get out of you. <laughs> oh, really? Gossiping about anybody. You should be very respectful to, to people. It's not that you couldn't know that somebody's doing this or this or this, but uh, really look at your intention for talking about anyone, saying anything about anyone. And, and quite often that will expose areas of consciousness that are still trying to get something, ego. That's how you see the lower, deeper levels of ego, of wanting something else. More? Is intention path? Yes. Intention is the way. Shodo, which means illuminated path or shining path or some kind of a smarty pants path. Yeah, smarty pants path. Is that it? Show, smarty. Do, path. Uh, I guess I left the pants out. So we'll just go with shining path. How does that strike you? That's, that's your name. How, what does that mean? How does that name? Do you ever think about that name? What, what I'm basically saying there is everything is the path. It's always in front of you and it's always brilliant. Just like this gentleman here, his name is Juzan, Freedom Mountain. Where did that come from? free. It's a mountain and it's solid and it's and it's inflexible and it's permanent, but it's totally liberated. And, and why why did I give him that name? I'm not going to tell you guys. Then you'll start giving people names and then you'll be popular like I am. <laughs> Go ahead. Is there any, is it possible to <coughs> stay on the path too long? I'm not sure what you're trying to find out there, but I would say no. You know, I, I'm not sure what you're saying. You eventually, there isn't there isn't any path. It's just this. There, there's no, nothing. Nothing more happens. But first, there has to be a path. The ground path and fruition. The ground is suffering or discontent or struggle or confusion. We look at that, and then we perhaps, if we're lucky, as far as I'm concerned, is called would be called uh, well favored. You stumble into the Buddha's Dharma. You meet somebody and who shows you a book or tells you something, or, or you show up at a meditation class or something, and you, and it's got you. You, you, you want to, you want to practice this. This kind of a teaching is rare, not because I'm so, what I'm saying is so rare, but because this is not 
promoted particularly. If it is promoted, it may not be the Buddha's Dharma. I'm not saying you wouldn't announce it, but to promote it as guaranteeing some kind of results. So allowing the, the questions coming out of when when I return to an intention or my intention, there seems to be a neurotic grasping quality to that. Yes. And I'm wondering if it can be unhelpful to return to our intention. No, just just you're already aware of the neurotic grasping quality. Just look at it. Don't change it. Don't get rid of it. You, don't have to get, you do not have to get rid of anything. Anything that arises is dependently arisen, has a right to be there. Everything that arises is a card-carrying member of relative truth. It has a right to be here. Why? Because of everything else is supporting the singularity that is an illusion that you and I and most of the world is deluded about. We're deluded about that. Is there a final question, or should I just stop? Here's a Rehan. Well, go ahead, Navi, and then I'll go to Rehan. Um, how can we stay in our Buddha nature when others trying when others try to pull us back into the idea that they have about us? Bowing. This it's a good question. I would say, insofar as you can, practice a lot. Do a lot of sitting meditation and be respectful and kind to those people who are around you who are, that you're interacting with that you're mentioning that are trying to pull you back. Be respectful to them. You wouldn't necessarily bow to them. If they're not meditators, you're not going to do some kind of fancy thing like that. But you, you could say, see, I, I kind of see what you mean, but I really need to work on this, this other area here. And, and if they try to pull it, depending on what the whatever their propaganda is, be respectful, listen to it, consider it. You could even ask them questions. Well, how do you mean? Well, what, what, you know, so you think this other direction would be better. And I may be, uh, I may be uh, misunderstanding what you're asking, what you are asking. It may be somebody just out and out getting angry with you or criticizing you or threatening you. That's another way to try to pull you back into argumentation or into discussing something or debating. Don't debate anything. Further, did I get close to what you're looking for, Nabi? Yes, yes, thank you. You'll be fine. Just move to the monastery. <laughs> I will. Okay. Um, thanks. <laughs> Take your time. It's going to be here a long time, perhaps. Rehan. Rehan Bowing, sorry about that. Um, yeah. Uh, what was my question? Oh, I'm seeing someone on Friday, and, and they're going to sit with me. Um, I don't think it's a problem, actually. I had a question, but it's gone now. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it'll be okay. I mean, uh, no, I think it's okay, actually. I thought I might have an issue speaking. Um, so you don't have a question? No, I do. I do. If if I'm uh, no one or something, then um, uh, and I speak like with people in the world and and um, I, and I talk to them, um, I'm very confused. How do I? Uh, um. I had this problem where I, I, I go blank. I'm ha having a problem now. I go blank a lot from the, from the meditation and, and I'm going blank a lot. Uh, like I can't, uh, oh, you sound good to me. Just keep your mouth shut. You're, yeah. You're blank. Then just don't talk. It's like my, uh, my brain is blank. Like I, like I can't think of, what to say, but I'm speaking fine now, but seem good to me. How yeah. much, uh, let me ask you something personal. You can share this or not, but how, how much, uh, sitting meditation, uh, in the style that I teach, uh, assuming you do some of that, uh, shikantaza, sit down, hold still, watch what moves with the eyes open. Do you do that? Um, 
watching my mind. My mind, uh, it's yes, I do. I do uh, a bit of that, like a little bit. Watch my in my head. Are your eyes open? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go on. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> okay. I I don't think I'm going insane. Like I, I think I'm okay. Like I was walking around and I thought, well, maybe I'm losing my mind because. Um, You'll be all right. I think I'm okay. Yeah, I'll be yeah, okay. You're okay. okay. Sit a lot. That's my final. Sit, lot, sit down. Don't do a little bit of sitting or else don't do it at all. Do some other form. But if you're talking to me, if you're continuing to ask questions from me, you can't be practicing some other way. Now, can you? Of course, you can do whatever you want. But I'm saying it might work better if there's a little bit of CCC, communication, cooperation, collaboration uh, going on here where I'm saying practice in this way and then ask me questions based on what's coming up in your mind stream relative to your family, your community, the world just what you're dealing with. And that way there can be some, possibly the, the responses to the questions will, will be fundamentally helpful to you in a way that won't be just uh, engender further circularity. So just keep sitting, it's a lot. Is, is, uh, is, is sit a lot. I'll sit a lot and I'll, <laughs> I'll sit a lot and right. if okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Do that. Very good. Are we are we good? Yes. Okay. I think we're good. We'll stand and dedicate the merit. Thank you. Hi, my name is Shoka. I am a monk at Sokokoji, where I am committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your support for our programming, including a scholarship fund to cover living and tuition costs for those who are practicing full-time at the monastery. Thank you for your generosity.